Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. While I've got you, you can sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including magazine-style features, breaking news, opinion pieces, and on-location stories for every U.S. Men's World Cup qualifier. That's grantwall.com. I'm taking an extra day in Jamaica this week, so this episode is devoted entirely to Chris Whittingham's interview with Tony Khan, the co-owner and vice chairman of football operations for Fulham. Think you'll enjoy it. Joined now by Tony Khan, and on the Levitard and Friends Network, we talk mostly about AEW. We talk mostly about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you always mention, I want to talk a little bit of European football. And obviously, there just isn't there isn't the room for it. So I wanted to kind of have a side conversation here. You're the sporting director of Fulham, so you're kind of connected in a lot of different worlds. Um, I guess I would I would start here. So your team, Fulham, has gone up and they've gone down and they've gone up and they've got down, and that's not a thing that happens in American sports. And so for Americans who are unfamiliar with what the feeling of relegation is. Can you describe what the experience has been the last few years of being really good in the championship but haven't been able to stay up? It's been truly an up-and-down experience. Uh, right now, the team's playing as well or better than they've played in a long time, and I think we're on a pretty historic run right now. As I say this, we're coming off six straight wins, five consecutive clean sheets, and a run of six matches where we've outscored opponents 21-1, to and I give so much credit to our head coach, Marco Silva. I've really enjoyed working with him since he arrived in the summer. And we had a very strong core of players to build around. And I've enjoyed working with him. And I, I've been the director of football for six years, which entails overseeing the transfers and, and the loans and working with the coaching staff and, and the scouting department on you know, identifying the right players to bring in and out of the club. I also philosophically believe that we have a club playing philosophy that is very much in tune with Marco Silva's philosophies. And I just thought it was a great fit for Fulham and the, the personnel we have and the things that they've done well and, and really done very successfully. If you look historically, particularly in the six years that I've been there as a director of football and also where a lot of these players have been there, the ones that have been with us four, five, six years. And I want to start with those origins. So when your family decides to purchase Fulham, first off, how did that come about? And how did you being the sporting director and being in charge come about? And when you enter the job, what's your philosophy? How do you go about doing it? So my, my father had uh, bought the club in 2013 and not long after he bought the club, he didn't really make a lot of changes in his first year. Right away, uh, he buying a team that was relegated. And then they went down to the second division of English football, which is the English Football League Championship. And we are currently in that league now. And uh, it's been a long road up and down. And the thing about it was he was very optimistic about their chances to come back. And the team really struggled then much more than he had ever expected in the second division. And the first year, long before I 
worked there or had had really any thoughts about working at Fulham, if that makes sense. I just kind of watched from afar as I was working at the Jacksonville Jaguars, running the analytics department that I had started and doing uh, statistics for the, the games to provide the coach on an opponent or our own t- tendencies, our own players, and primarily focused since the beginning in the Jaguars. I've been on uh, undrafted free agents, like trying to find players undrafted that are guys I called up after the draft and and signed because that's uh, kind of my, my thing since the beginning is looking for those hidden gems, those guys that slipped through the cracks. So that's been one of my primary focuses, especially in the offseason with that job. And uh, I was working a ton of hours in the NFL and also investing in statistics company, True Media. And I ended up buying out that company soon after, again, before I had become the sporting director or taken over that area at Fulham. And my dad ended up being surprised how much the team struggled in his first few years. And I think it was a learning curve for sure in English football. And the team finished 17th in the championship in that season. And then the next season, you know, for those people who aren't familiar with it, there's relegation down many levels. And that is a 2014 league, the championship. And if you finish in the bottom three, which is obviously 22, 23, or 24, you will go down to the third division and the three teams will come up from there. Again, it's, it's a different system if you don't, follow it for a lot of the American listeners of Dan's show and of this network of shows. It's uh, that the top two teams get automatically promoted. And then you have, of course, a a 14 playoff Mm -hmm. where three, four, five, and six in the standings in the table will be competing in a playoff. And the final is at Wembley stadium. And it's a big event. We're very familiar with now. Yeah. It's, it's been often dubbed the world's richest football match because the difference between staying in the championship and going up to the Premier League is worth such a massive amount of money that that's what's on the line. And like very often those games are like super tension packed and they're sometimes bad because I think all the players recognize how big the opportunity is for them to go up to the Premier League for their futures, for the club's future, for the fans. It's just this tension soaked game. Well, I've been in a few of them. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, we took over uh, again, uh, and and I had nothing to do with the club the first few years, and so they had gotten relegated in Dad's first year as, uh, when they had owned the club, and then the next two years they finished 17th, and then I was prefacing this, they finished 20th in the second division, and they were very, very much in danger both of these years, honestly. Even when they finished 17th, it sounds better than it was almost because that year was, as far as danger of being relegated, that really there was a lot of the season where they were near the bottom of the table and it made a pretty good run at the end of, to finish 17th. And then to finish 20th, I think dad was frustrated with it. And I believed that, you know, watching it and studying it now for a while from afar, we had been working True Media in English football analytics and I had built some metrics and I really believed that if we put together a system where I aggregated the scouting and all of the data on all of the available players in the game and all the all the players we could get data on, which is a, a pretty, even in 2016, in the summer of 2016, when I undertook this, I really believed 
this was the approach. But I also thought Fulham to be competitive would need massive, massive, massive changes. So in the summer of 2016, I brought in 14 new players. Wow. And often eight, nine would be starting, you know, for the most part. There were a few players that remained. Tom Kearney, we had just signed. And that, again, I had just started to get involved around then and and really believed in Tom Kearney. And that was somebody I had from, you know, not being the person who made the decisions and often getting, when I did try to suggest stuff here that last year before I did become the director of football, a lot of the stuff I had said we should do had worked out very well, like signing Tom Kearney and a lot of the stuff I said we should not do had not worked out as well. So there were a number of, of players that came in in the year before I took over that I'd also kind of uh, suggested I wanted to keep that I kept. And so there were a few players I did I did really like, and we had a goalkeeper that was from the academy, Marcus Bettinelli. And uh, we signed another goalkeeper, David Button, and uh, brought in a bunch of outfield players, including... Stefan Johansson, who played for us for many years and plays now for QPR, and Kevin McDonald, who's a defensive midfielder, played for us for many years. And there were a number of players on loan, including a couple of Chelsea players that Mike Ryan on this show was a big fan of, Lucas Piazzon and, and Thomas, Thomas Callis. Callis yeah. Yes. And of course, and you guys, I know uh, Mike has always uh, asked me about those guys and kept in touch, but also brought in a lot of important players that are with us today and have done important things for us and guys that even started for us in this recent run of games like Niskins Cabano who's been a critical player for us through the recent years and also Dennis Adoy. was huge in that run to the playoff promotion in 20 right yes absolutely a couple of brilliant free kicks I remember yeah thanks Chris and uh (laughs) absolutely he did and I have a story about that when the time comes and Dennis Adoy also who's played at right back center back and even covered at left back at times really that, I think, changed the club and transformed the team. We had finished 20th the year before, and Slavisa Jokanovic was our coach, and we made a great run that first year that I had taken over. We finished sixth, and we went to the playoff, and we were actually the online. I saw the odds on favorite to win the playoff, even though we were they had snuck in because we were so hot. And uh, the, I think they really liked the squad, too, and our form, and it just slobs it was doing really well with the team and it was it was disappointing we we had a call go against us but it was we lost at reading in the semifinal and then the next year we came back and acquired some new players and and then had a huge transfer window in january and brought in on loan alexander mitrovic which i did truly at the 11th hour because it was pretty close to the 11 p.m deadline so uh, and uh we didn't even have time to do a physical on metro but it was just a loan i mean it wasn't the full transfer investment yet where you would have uh, really needed it with you know eight figure investment to to do some kind of physical this was a loan agreement and it was very important for us to get it done and he was actually going to go back to anderlecht on loan from Newcastle uh, back to his old club where he'd scored a lot of goals for Anderlecht and something happened and he was there at Anderlecht and it just, they didn't, I think financially it didn't work out. So we were there and we were there ready to do it. And I think Anderlecht had already done the, the physical on them and their doctor, you know, was willing to talk to our doctor and say like, he's good. And that was good enough for me. And uh, I really wanted to get him in. I really believed in Mitrovic and Slavisi Okanovic, uh, also a big fan of Mitrovic and had talked to him. And so, and he came. This is going to sound ridiculous, but one of the best center forward displays I've seen in person. I have not admittedly not seen enough, but uh, we saw him in a game, uh, 
against Marcel Bielsa's Leeds the year that they got promoted. We saw them in a game, and uh, it was it, he was amazing on that day. I want to ask you. He's, actually, a, he's, a, he's having an amazing season. For those who yeah. don't know, we're 17 games in. Again, I said we're on this amazing run of of six straight wins and five straight clean sheets and outscoring the opponents 21 to 1 in those games. But through our 17 games, as I say this, Mitro has 20 goals. Wow. He's 20. That's crazy. I think, I don't know. I believe he's the leading scorer in Europe. I don't know if anybody else is on 20 right now. I, I last I checked, I, I, I haven't seen it. It'd be a good thing for you to check right now. I, I, I will, I will <laughs> check. I'm gonna, starting first with Robert Lewandowski. I want to get back to uh, something you mentioned, which is you had kind of developed this method of marrying scouting with analytics, and it informs the way that you run your team without giving the secrets away of how that system works. Can you kind of outline what the philosophy is when you go when you identify a need in your playing squad? How do you go about? not only beginning a transfer and saying, I want this player, but then I think a lot of fans might not know the anatomy of a transfer. How do transfers go down? Well, uh, it's whether you're a fan of English sport, European sport, or or American sports, or wherever you consume your sports, I think transfers, trades go down in similar ways. Free agency, a transfer is unique. You, you want the clubs have to be in agreement, the two clubs in the deal, but also... The players have to be on side. It's you know really important, and you have to have a good club. You have to run a good club where people want to come there and also where people want to deal with you and negotiate with you. And so we've always been fair to deal with, and I think I've brought in a lot of really good players over the years, and that's why we're having good success now. So I had mentioned before, we you know that playoff, my first year, we finished sixth. We came back the next year, acquired Mitrovic, went on a run of 23 unbeaten, 19 wins, four draws down the end of the season up to the last game. We actually did lose the last game of the season uh, to Birmingham, but we went into the playoff and we did, as you described, that uh, very unnerving playoff. It was a very, very tight game and it was one nothing. We beat Aston Villa, but we uh, had Dennis Adoy, who I just mentioned before. He's a great player, but uh, it was a scary moment. He uh, got sent off. And, uh, you know, we played over 20 minutes out there with 10 men, and we hung on for a 1-0 win versus Aston Villa. We got promoted. And that season, I made investment in a lot of players, including Mitrovic, who's on fire for us now, and Frank Zambo and Gisa, who's playing really well. He's out on loan at Napoli right now. He's a great player. Jean-Michel Seri, who's playing for us right now, is playing really well. Joe Bryan, who was a big hero for us in the championship. We you know, spent a lot of money, and uh, unfortunately, the team did not stay up and uh, made changes in coaching. And then the next year in the championship, again, we were promoted again a year later, but it was during COVID, so we sat out where there was no football being played anywhere for many, many months. And then in the summer of 2020, came back for the restart, and it was a very different game. You know, all- Also... Well, uh, I've sidetracked from your question about my approach, but I want to get back to where I am now before sure. we like uh, get into it. Yeah. So, uh, and I will, I will answer about a sc- marrying scouting and statistics, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to like look because I've had a lot of different experiences with it, and I've learned a lot uh, and refined this. But before I go too far, so uh, we did not stay up, and and the team went down, and uh, the following season 
we did get back up. It was a very different game, as, as I was saying, and you asked me how so, and I'll answer that one first, even though it's the second question you asked, and I still haven't answered <laughs> the first one. Uh, it was very different. There was we're, Obviously, it was bizarre playing for a while with no fans, but also when we first came back, I mean, there was the drinks break, mm-hmm. and that was uh, different, and uh, it was almost like quarters instead of halves. So that was a big, a big part of it. It was very strange, and a lot of players have been off for a long time, and people, I think, responded to the time off different ways. You know, some people came back more fit than others, and our team, I think, did a good job, and we went to that playoff and won the playoff. And then, again, we were in the Premier League, and to answer your first question, I thought we made a lot of progress, and uh, the team was much more competitive and we had a better squad for the Premier League the second time around. I think I, I really felt we did. And of the players of that team, a lot of them are doing well for us right now at Fulham. And the ones that were on loan to us and didn't stay, you know, Alphonse Areola and Jerkham Anderson, they were doing well for other teams after, uh, you know, we weren't able to stay up. And now, I think, again, we made progress. And going back to talking about using both data analytics and scouting to evaluate players and then combining them, kind of aggregating all the information and making the decision from there. It's important to me. And a lot of the transfers that have worked out for us were a judgment call. I mean, really all transfers are a judgment call. You know, there's a lot of players out there that have scouting evaluations on them. There's only so many that have an approved grade. So I try not to look too far into guys with terrible, terrible scouting, but sometimes there's a player with great statistics and you have to ask the question, why, you know, what's going on here? And a lot of times the answer is the scouts are right. That like, you know, that maybe there's a reason on the on the team when you look into it why there's some kind of selection bias going on that 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 could prejudice the data. But it's much, much, much more often than not, you see that the statistics do give a true picture of the player and more often than not. And that's why I I try to make a judgment call off them. And so we've done a lot since the summer 2016 up through now. I've done a ton of transfers in and out. And I feel like now the squad is as strong as it's ever been. We've made progress building with a mixture of relying on the scouting and, and the analytics. And I think it's you know, a good marriage of the two. And uh, when you bring both in, it also helps when you have a lot of players with statistics. There's really more players that have data from all the different leagues across the world because there's so many football leagues to track that you can find players that don't have scouting and get them scouted. And that's where a lot of our successes have come. And getting players and saying, hey, this player has really good data. We should look at this player. And a lot, and the scouts do a good job because there are players that they say are, you know, this guy's a player we want to pursue. And there's players they say that I don't see this player. And Marco Silva has been such a phenomenal head coach for us. He's come in with a coaching staff and a coaching philosophy. And I've just really enjoyed working with him and uh, been doing Zooms on uh, transfers and talking and texting all the time. And I just think the command of the squad he has is phenomenal and he's a phenomenal person and it was a huge acquisition for Fulham and what he's brought to the club is exactly what we needed. There are a lot of players I really wanted to keep at the club and he's been a huge part. You know, I've had good relationships with our players and, um, you know, a player who 
we talked a lot about it, I think both of us publicly, and is Alexander Mitrovich. And mm-hmm. he just recently extended his contract. And I was really happy to, even before Marco had come in, I had been talking to him about that and try, and, and we had made a lot of progress. And I know he wasn't happy with how last season ended. None of us were. And he wanted to play more of a part in the squad. And I thought Mitrovic absolutely needed to be a person we involve as much as we can he you know he works really hard and he's been a huge part when we've had success and and we owe a lot to him and i'm very grateful for mitrovich so obviously you change manager in between seasons how did you go about finding marco silva what are the aspects of a manager that matter to you when you're interviewing when you're because i imagine you're scouting as well you can pick from hundreds of managers around the world well, I, for example uh we looked at data and we looked at playing styles and we looked at our own personnel and taking the style of football that our players when they'd been successful had played and looking at tactics and also track record and then personal relationships. I really like Marco Silva. I first met him over three years ago when we played Everton when he was a manager of Everton and he'd managed teams in England and he had great references and the data really was very high on him and We had reached out and he was very interested. I think it's just been a great fit and I'm very grateful that he came and he's been great for the club. When you say the data, because I think uh, there there is a conversation a lot about which statistics matter. You might have your own personal metrics that you yourself have come up with. We do have our own personal metrics. But, But of like publicly available data that's out there, is there one or two things that you pick out and go, well, that's actually noteworthy like there's a lot of conversation about xg there's a lot of conversations about other like well you know stats bomb a lot of these websites that put stuff out there i think there's a lot of people who put player grades out there and most of them are have a lot of positives i think there's a lot of player grades that are publicly available and you know you can argue about which one's the best and some of the publicly available stuff will lead you in a good direction so we've developed our own stats but there's tons of stuff online fans can look at that that grades players and and a lot of that stuff is a good indicator too but we also utilize our own scouting information we had looked at teams that he had coached and their success and also looked at how he set his teams up and how we thought our team had succeeded and what what i thought would be a good plan for us to succeed and hopefully get promoted this year is that amount of possession, formations? Absolutely. There's a possession and formation components and looking at, again, uh, our personnel, the players in our squad that we've made big investments in and we think are big assets who Marco agrees with us. And, and I think we're very much aligned. I mean, when I talk through the squad with Marco, I mean, we agree on everything. And I think it's been a really good relationship he he's had with myself and the board and mm-hmm. with the scouting and operations people. I think he's also seen one of the things about it is when you just have data, I mean, there's going to be a lot of unrealistic names and you just have to get used to it. When you see a list of players and some of these are great players that probably aren't going to be coming to Fulham anytime soon, but it gives you a big list to dig through and it covers leagues, big and small clubs, big and small. And when you shop smart, you can find things and even dealing with big clubs, for example, Tosin came in and yeah. he was from Manchester City and I scouted him myself against Blackburn. I was there at the cottage 
a few seasons ago. Of course, the season that got interrupted by COVID, where we eventually did win the, the playoff. And Tosin played for Manchester City, but he had been out on loan. And I, I had seen him play for Blackburn. And the data was, again, very high on him, particularly the season he had for Blackburn. And he wasn't a player that was going to be in the Manchester City squad anytime soon. And we got a great deal on him. And it was uh, as a club. And he's a been a great player for us and is a great one, not only in the present, but also for the future. He's a great young player. So that was, I think, you know, doing a, a smart deal with a big club. But we've also brought in players from a lot of small clubs in smaller leagues. So I think when you have a, a good network of scouts who work really hard and travel and cast a wide net with data, you know, you can have some success, but uh, there's no question the Premier League is, in my opinion, the hardest league in the world. And I think in the data would agree that it's as competitive and strong as a league as there is and that there's so many good clubs in the Premier League. And while it is very tough to stay up and, and we haven't been able to do it the two years I've been up, We've made progress. I thought we got a lot closer, and I look forward, to hopefully, to having another chance to do it. And uh, every year we've been in the championship, like I said, we finished in the playoffs that first year, and then since then have gotten promoted each time. So I, I, I do think hopefully we we have a good chance and uh, we have, can build on what we've done. You have two American players that have recently featured on the national team. Fulham America has been a thing all the way going back to when Brian McBride was at Fulham, and there's always kind of been an American representative, Clint Dempsey, and on and on and on. But I want to talk about, one, that reputation, and two, the current guys you have, in particular, Anthony Robinson, who's kind of become the first choice left back for the U.S. squad. Well, he's a tremendous player, and uh, he's a very important player at Fulham, and He's somebody that not only is he, again, a great player for the present, but he's also a great player for the future. He's a great young player for Fulham and a great young player for the U.S. And Fulham have had a great history of bringing in American players long before I was at the club and long before I was even you know, working anywhere near the transfers, let alone running the transfers. So that's something Fulham has a great history of. About a year before I took over, another player, he had really good data, so it was one of the transfers we had done that I was in favor of when I first started evaluating the data, but was not yet actually in charge. You almost went to AC Milan. Well, that was before we got it. That was before, yeah, Yeah. and we were fortunate uh, that he did not. And getting him in from Wigan, it was a great move, I think, and he's been a great player, and I really uh, value him. He's been a great player for the United States. There's no other club in Europe that's had multiple players from America win player of the season for the club. And Fulham actually has had three players from America win player of the season with Clint Dempsey, Mm -hmm. Brian McBride, and Tim Ream. And there, of course, in addition to those three, we mentioned Anthony Robinson. There are so many other American players present and past and I think future Mm -hmm. that uh, have played for Fulham. And uh, it's a great tradition that we have. Uh, they call it uh, Full America. Full America, yeah. And uh, I think it's great. So here in the U.S., there are a lot of Fulham supporters. And if there's anybody looking for a club to support in England, I think Fulham's a great club to support. And again, it's a great time to get in because we've won six straight and uh, playing very well and have a lot of great players for the future and a great coach and a lot of fun things happening around the club and the redevelopment of the cottage and just a fun club to support so hopefully you make maybe make a new supporter out of this with talking <laughs> to you so 
on MLS, a lot of MLS academies are bringing through young players who are getting sold to, you know, Juventus and American players are playing for Barcelona and RB Salzburg and Leipzig and these big clubs. What have you made of that kind of influx of talent going from MLS to abroad? It and, is interesting. And, I was just looking at Reggie Cannon, but mm -hmm. uh, we had Kenny Tete was going to be back pretty soon from his injury. And he's, you know, been starting for us. He's a great player, Kenny Tete. And is started for the Dutch national team and is a great, great player for Fulham again for the present and for the future. I just I think the world of Kenny Tete and he was out injured, but he, we knew he'd be back within a couple months. And Dennis Adoy had done very well for us in the past. And I thought Dennis Adoy could more than cover it. And also he's always a great player for us. And, and he started for us through much of this great run we've been on. So absolutely. There's been some great players out of NLS to come abroad recently. And uh, the the American players in general, I think, are, are getting better and better. And that's a product of it that MLS is getting some of those players at a young age, but also some of those players are going abroad at a very young age. So, you know, it's a mixture. I think there's America's developing more players. Some of them are ending up in MLS academies with MLS teams. And some of those players are going abroad at a young age. And Fulham's had some young American players come into our academy also. And, you know, Marlon Fossey is with us and has not yet really been playing for the first team, but is a player that is a, absolutely a first-team footballer who's one to watch at right back for the future for mm -hmm. the U.S. also. couple more. What's the biggest difference for you between running an, Amer an American sports team and a sports team in England? Well, I mean, obviously the biggest difference, I think, is there are different sports. So, right. But the difference between... Uh, like the leagues. The fans, I think we'll, yeah. we talk so much about it and belabored the idea of relegation and promotion and mm -hmm. the ups and downs, but that is the biggest difference. The idea that you can finish near the bottom of a league and get the top draft pick and end up with Trevor Lawrence and it can change your, your life and your team and everything versus, you know, that can mean a relegation. It's very different. So the stakes and, and the outcomes are completely different and uh, I, the sports themselves are very different. And the fans... Uh, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, everybody's human beings and they love their teams, but there's differences too. And last one, the next time you're in the Premier League, what have you identified as something that will allow you to finish 17th or better? What have the two experiences for you in the Premier League meant in terms of growth, in terms of what you can learn the next time that you're there, you can actually stay up? I believe that the squad has gotten stronger and I think we're in a great place right now with great coach and I, I really believe you know we have a great chance to hopefully get promoted. I've always really enjoyed working with the coaches whether it was Slavisio Kanovic or uh, very briefly with Claudio Ranieri you know. And, now the Watford manager. Yes and uh, with Scott Parker and, and uh, now with Marco Silva and I think with Marco he has embraced the analytics and the squad that he inherited more so than any other manager I've worked with. And he has just got a great rapport with the squad, but a great command of the squad. And I think more so than any time in, you know, the time I've been there since the summer 2016 up till now, late 2021, I feel like the squad's playing very well and they're built to succeed in the future. And if we do go up, I think we can make some smart acquisitions to build with this team. But I think we have the strongest core to build on. And 
philosophically, organizationally with Marco here. I just think I, I really enjoy working with Marco Silva, and I feel like organizationally and on the pitch with the squad, you know, again, not for now and for the future, it's built better than ever. So I think we can take what we've done in the past and we've been building and building, building on it. And now hopefully we're in a better position where now I hope, first of all, we do get promoted and we can continue also building on the early work we've done this season, but then also get back to the Premier League and built on the work we've done over the years. Tony Khan, appreciate the time. Thank you very much. It was really nice uh, being on with you and it was a real nice change of pace being here in the studio with you guys and talking English football and not having Dan just try and constantly rib me about Jaguars <laughs> or anything else. And I love talking about wrestling, and but I, I, I get tons of media across America opportunities to do that. So to come into the studio and get to talk English football in America is a rare pleasure for me and especially to talk Fulham. And thank you very much, Chris. And come on, Fulham. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Tony Khan, as well as producer and interviewer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my new newsletter at grantwall.com. It has all my writing, including magazine-style features and on-location stories for every U.S. Men's World Cup qualifier. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support with that. See you next time.